Hi everybody, it's Jason. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to tell you about something happening this Saturday. I'm part of a live streamed fundraiser and celebration on October 9th, 2021 at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. My podcast, Anna J's Comedy Hour, is having our first live episode on Twitch to celebrate the 20th anniversary of our first viral video, and we're raising money for Dan's cat, Skeeter, who has FIP. FIP is normally a deadly disease, but they're keeping her alive with experimental drugs that are very expensive, so you can donate during and after the live stream. We figured why not try to raise some money with the one thing we know, which is comedy. The show starts out as a discussion of some sketch Dan and I did when we were kids, and quickly turns into improv, conversation, and visits from other dimensions. You'll see what I mean when you check it out. Just visit twitch.tv forward slash dgomiller. That's twitch.tv forward slash d-g-o-m-i-l-l-e-r. This Saturday, October 9th at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. We hope to see you there. And in the meantime, if you want to donate, you can check out bit.ly forward slash saveskeeter. That's bit.ly forward slash s-a-v-e-s-k-e-e-t-e-r. Now, on with the show. Oh, hi. I'm Jason Klom. Gaziza. I'm Alan Rickard. Your last name is Rickard? And we are the hosts of Dispatches from Fort Awesome, a news radio podcast. I am Jason Klom. Gaziza, I'm Alan Rickert. And this is Dispatches, Dispatches from, from Fort Awesome, a news, news radio, radio podcast. podcast that will never sink over Zoom. Still. Not once. Not oh, once. Never. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this week uh, we are recording on the birthday of my hero, comedy god, Phil Hartman. And we are so uh, fortunate to have one of his brothers, Paul Hartman, here. To talk with us. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you here. for joining. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me, you guys. Um, let's just talk about Phil Hartman for an hour, because that's what needs to happen. <laughs> uh, we don't do it enough, do we? We talk about him every week. We, we can't shut up about him. Um, uh, I know bits and pieces of your, you know, your your family's story. Um, uh, you know, I, I, from books, from online accounts, you you were kind enough to do my comedy on vinyl podcast briefly a few years ago, which was so incredibly cool. Um, so, but I don't want to step on the toes of what we discussed then. However, um, I I think I would love to 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 talk about what you know of his experience in news radio, like uh, if you have any perspective on how he felt when he when the show started happening, uh, how he felt over the course of it, anything like that. Well, it, you know, at the time that news radio was happening, Phil and I were kind of in a little beef, right? Mm -hmm. And so we didn't have a lot of contact. And um, but from my perspective, from looking from the outside in at it, it to me was the most incredible work he had done, right? Like yeah. it mm -hmm. superseded anything on SNL. Um, you know, I mean, his characters are all great. I love Ronald Reagan. I love Caveman Lawyer. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, his Phil Donahue. Uh, and, of course, Clinton, he hammered. Um, you know, all that stuff was great. But to me, when the writers and the producers and everything really catered to his style and the nature of that ensemble cast, 
he just blossomed, you know, and, and I wasn't a news radio fan while he was alive. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I went back and watched the whole set. Um, Angel Rosenthal, who is now deceased, uh, helped me get Phil, his star in Canada and also worked on the book with Mike Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, she really guided me through all those things, you know, and we did uh, in the course of the uh, run for Canada's Walk of Fame, we, we did a podcast that was uh, Xenovision Live and she would go up against anybody who thought they knew more about Phil and she would just beat them into the ground, you know, <laughs> and, the, and then we put her against her son who's a second city alumni in uh, uh, Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was like a duel of magnificent gunfighters, you know? <laughs> and I think it came, ended up a draw. So, oh, wow. you know, I, I went through news radio in a grieving sense, mm-hmm. you know, and got to see Phil do some of his most incredible work. And then in the course of the thing, of course, he got nominated for another Emmy. Mm-hmm. And they contacted us. And uh, this is a, this is my jab at Joe Rogan. Uh, <laughs> um, and we they said, oh, Phil's going to get the Emmy, you know, and we want your mother to accept it. Mm-hmm. And they sent a limo to pick us all up and put us in a hotel. And we got tuxes and mom got new dresses. And, you know, they set, seated us with all the cast, you know, mm-hmm. everybody was around us. And me and two of my sisters were there and, uh, and they took mom backstage and Philip Hyde Pierce got the Emmy. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Ugh holy fucking shit, you know? Right. Like, this is the shit icing on a shit cake. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, they, and I look around, and the whole cast has mm-hmm. left us sitting there by ourselves. Oh, they just God. vanished when Phil didn't get it, right? Yeah. And yeah. they yeah. left my mother standing backstage in the wings, and oh, she didn't God. know what was happening. I walked back there and got her, and uh-huh. I said, Mom, let's get out of here. You know, we just walked. We didn't go to the party or anything. It was just wow. bullshit, you know? Holy shit. And uh, so that that's kind of my little rub. Like, and, and I've tried to talk to Joe, you know, mm-hmm. but I can't get any part of his ear. Well, <laughs> you, you got to offer him horse tranquilizers, then he'll talk to you for a couple minutes. And, <laughs> yeah. um, and, and then you'll be in good shape. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah, well, as we, you know, we won't go into specifics, but before we started recording, I mean, you have learned to roll with some shit, obviously. We know that life is pain, but my God, like this is, nobody needs wow. that on top of that after yeah. so much yeah. fucking buildup. Jesus. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that, that really soured me. And I was working in show business, right? Mm-hmm, like I, mm-hmm. I worked for my oldest brother and was trained as an agent manager yeah. in the music business and and uh, and it again soured show business for me more it's like i'd, I'd rather be a janitor you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh you know and, and that was what it was and and now it's 
kind of, you know, like it, it used to be very traumatic for me on his birthday and, and the anniversary of his passing. Sure. Um, and for a week before and a week after I'd be a train wreck, you know? Yeah. Um, but now it's my perspective on it is so different. I mean, I, I don't miss him any less and it isn't any less of a shit sandwich. It's still sure. a shit sandwich. It always will be. Yeah. Um, but you know, his catalog of work I get to enjoy, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, my wife and I did a Simpsons marathon. Oh my God. Which was pretty fun. And, and there, <laughs> there's a whole nother thing. Like today is our anniversary. Oh my gosh. Um, uh, we got engaged on Phil's birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, she's, a was the youngest graduate of second city, Chicago. Oh my uh, God. Wow. And, uh, but didn't do show business, had a kid and, and you know went off that way but was very aware of phil and knew lots of people who worked with them um and uh we have had this strange this is almost halloweeny we're getting into a a real mystical kind of area Mm -hmm. Uh, um we've had all this synchronicity through phil that was real strange right and so she finds a box with the box set of uh, news radio in it, and she had never watched it. Mm-hmm. And so she opens the thing up, and the first disc is missing. So she wow. puts in the second disc, and it's the episode where Candy is talking about her birthday. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And which happens to be exactly my wife's birthday. And wow, it was exactly 37. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> holy <laughs> shit, like 36, right? <laughs> and uh, and we're like, what the hell is going on here? Like, and, and the, you know, and, and this wasn't just one of these events. It was like a dozen of them. Mm. So we're living in Jamaica, right? I, I worked down there for two years and she came down mm. and we got married there. And we're about to leave. We're in Kingston. And we're walking around Kingston and we find this old graveyard. And we go in it. And she immediately walks up off to under this tree whereas, and starts digging away all the leaves and shit. And I'm like, what the hell is she doing, right? Mm-hmm. This is crazy, crazy, you know? And she looks at the headstone and it's a woman named Phyllis Hyman. Uh huh. And we went, this is crazy. And then she goes, do you get it? Do you get the message? Phil is high, man. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like standing in this Jamaican graveyard going, oh, this is fucking freaky. And, you know, all your hair standing up and stuff. <laughs> but, God, I mean, and there was just one of those things after another. So there's this weird connection between us and Phil and then recently john paragon passed yeah uh, yeah and when phil died i made a bunch of these boxes that had his ashes in it and the guts of a magic eight ball oh my god because phil had this fetish for the magic eight ball right <laughs> and go go get phil would you please babe? um and uh so 
I made three of them, one for my brother, John, one for me and one for John Paragon. And uh, both mine and John's, my brother, John, got stolen. Oh, shit. <clears throat> like, and obviously by somebody we knew, right? Sure, like, right. Really yeah. freaky, right? <laughs> and then John dies and um, Cassandra Pearson, Elvira, got, gets in touch with me and she's, um, his sister found this. Here we go. Here's uh, here's Phil in a box. Oh my god! And wow. you can see the magic eight ball is in it. Holy shit! Wow! So, <laughs> this a, was John Paragon's. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Here's Phil. Yes. I took Chick that photo. Um, <clears throat> Did you took that photo? You, that's the really? yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. Wow. Shot with a Leica SL2. That's a um, photo. So. You see, I can still hear the ashes in there. Holy shit. Uh, wow. And uh, so you could ask Phil questions, right? Uh-huh. And uh, then I made the Phil Hartman Comedy Award here in Canada. Mm-hmm. And we had them made on a CNC machine. Um, uh, Joanne Downing got the first one. She ran a um, open mic for almost 25 years, and then she got ALS. Oh wow! And the night of the awards, she three days before she had lost the ability to talk. Oh my god! And she wasn't diagnosed yet, so she she didn't know she was going to get the award. And she comes up on stage and she can't get a word out. Oh wow! And I'm like, holy Jesus, she's freaked out. You know, yeah, yeah. went into the wings with her and explained what the award was and how it worked. And and then um, Mike McDonald got the next one. Mm-hmm. And then there were two other. Uh, recipients of it and then the comedy awards kind of went through a big change and uh, we haven't given the award out we also gave out one Phil Hartman Arts and Humanitarian Award that went to uh, an organization called Sheater that does interactive plays that help educate people about different social problems wow uh, wow um, And, uh, and that kind of stuff, you know, and, and then of course there was the effort to try to get Phil an Oscar by animating flat TV. Yeah. 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 Right. And, uh, um, when I went to Jamaica to work for two years, that kind of got dropped by the wayside and, um, we're going to try to resurrect it here at some point because you know, about a third of it's been animated. Wow. Okay. <clears throat> For those who don't know, Flat TV is a sketch comedy album that he put together in the 70s, 80s, right? Yeah. And then eventually, it didn't see the light of day until you, when did you release it originally on CD? I can't recall. Well, right after his death, right uh, after, my brother okay. John uh, helped facilitate it being released. Mm-hmm. Uh, came out on Rhino, I believe. That's right. Okay. <clears throat> and... Uh, you know, I wasn't a big fan of it because one of the characters in it is a jab at me. Really? Yeah. Zeno. Uh-huh. Zeno is supposed to be me. And Zeno is my nickname, right? <laughs> uh, and I got that when I worked at a magazine. I was a darkroom technician for a surfing magazine in the 70s. Uh-huh. And the editor was uh, reading X in the dictionary when I walked into the editorial room with some prints for him. And 
And he was, he goes, you're from Canada, aren't you? And I, I said, yeah, Doug. And he goes, Zeno, alien, foreign, or strange, as in xenophobia. He goes, Zeno, would you make me some prints of this? You know, and I, I said, sure, Doug. And, and, uh, and I was Zeno from that point on. Holy shit. Uh, so anyways, I had a lot of uh, similarities to the character Zeno, which... <laughs> um, was was you get sorry? No, I was just gonna say though that uh, uh, similarities though that's that's definitely done out of, of love though because whenever you you always take <laughs> yeah 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 the characters uh, yeah, he loved sorts, me yeah. we we had a, a strange relationship but a wonderful relationship I mean my life with him was a, a series of firsts you know and mm. and uh, you know he gave me my first surfboard things like that you know? uh huh. Um, but, uh, yeah. Do, uh, do you have, so when you finally got to not revisit, but finally got to watch news radio, uh, you started later maybe than some of us dumb nerds. Um, did you <laughs> fall, there, were there any particular episodes that you enjoyed or storylines? Well, I like the one about the cane. I like the, <laughs> the one about quitting smoking. Mm-hmm. The one where he plays the piano. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. so good. Yeah, I mean, uh, the and I, I couldn't re- remember the name of an episode of my life depended on it. But, sure, sure. That's Well, um, I will tell you, a lot of us struggle with it because about a quarter of them are named after Led Zeppelin albums because they thought that would be a funny joke and then you can never remember what that <laughs> yeah. did, uh, did. How about the space episode? I would actually love to know if you have any. <laughs> I, I can't tell what he actually thought of them, but they obviously had him introduce it as though he gave zero shits about it, which I thought was very funny. Huh. Yeah, you know that that one. Uh, I'm gonna have now. I'm gonna go rewatch that one. <laughs> it's worth it. It's worth it. Yeah. yeah. Um, people uh, who listen to this show a lot and know me and know that I can't shut the hell up about this. I, I, I'll, I'll at least show you this, if only because I, I, you know, you might appreciate it more than a lot of people. But that's that. It's well. Let me. Can I tilt it up? That's his costume from that episode. So I. I that is. Wow. The, so I'm. It is. Uh, the prized piece of my entire collection that and a tie of his which i have on the wall over here there's no way to show it to you Um, wow but um also i know a lady who still here's what the interesting thing is they were supposed to get rid of all of his costumes after he passed and this very nice lady who was selling all these costumes did and then realized oh no once she met me she's like "Uh, i realized i have these in a box still and i think she still has some of his ties um but uh, which I, I feel like I should just put you in touch with her because, you know, if she still got some of those ties. Man, I, I had a lot of his shirts and stuff, and I literally wore them till they disintegrated. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And it was like sad burials of all of them, you know. Was, right. And I, I now no longer have any of his shirts. Um, but. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, did you have any questions? I'm sorry. I, I keep monopolizing yeah. and showing off costumes. Like no, I, I, I just uh, I was just wondering. So you got, were there eight siblings total? Yeah, I'm up? number six. Number six. Holy wow. cow. Wow. Like, I'm just kind of wondering, like, what, 
the environment at like home was like at like over any meals or anything like that was it just well the, uh, there was five girls and three boys and uh they were spaced out far enough to where not all of us were ever there at once okay. um so you know john and phil and i shared a bedroom in uh, L.A. on La Tijera Boulevard, uh -huh. 9648 La Tijera, uh, which is now gone. The, the address is still on the curb, but it was bought by the L.A. airport. Oh, oh wow. Okay. And, uh, and then John, right at that time, started at William Morris in the mailroom. And uh, so he was gone, and it was just me and Phil – Till he was a a senior in high school, and uh, and then I I took off and went walkabout, um, and uh, and Phil ended up moving with John to Malibu and became an, a kind of a roadie art guy for bands, right? Right. And, That's crazy. And lived in the Malibu colony and married a girl from the colony. Mm -hmm. Gretchen Lewis, who's now passed. Um, so that that was kind of where that time in the colony was where Phil really started to blossom and figure out that he was funny, you know. And he would, people would get high and he, he would go off, you know. And they would just stand around dumbfounded, rolling on the ground, crying or whatever, you know. And uh, and a lot of times it was people like Larry Hagman and um, right next door. We had Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward on one side and Charles Lloyd, the jazz musician, on the other, right? And then Hagman was on the other side of that. And it was like this enclave of very diverse kind of people and Phil would have them all just crying, you know? Wow. I, I can't it, imagine what this time period was like. And also the fact that he wasn't quite sure yet that that was his thing. And that was he doing at this point, he, he was doing album art and stuff like that. And logo design. he was doing a lot of graphic design and a lot of it, very straight lace, not just mm -hmm. record company stuff, but, yeah. The stuff that paid the bills was kind of bank stuff. And, you know, like he did uh, Sally Struthers logo for Rad Strut and stuff like that, which was a very straight laced company. Wow. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, he worked for a company called Farrell Bergman that um, was a big design company at that time and in the Valley. And, and they did all kinds of stuff across the board. Do you have a favorite piece of his? public or otherwise i have a bunch of his art i ended up with a portfolio of it and that was where we got a lot of the characters for flat tv actually came from phil's doodle file awesome oh, wow. um brian lemay uh is a brilliant guy and he channeled phil in so many ways in flat tv that was amazing and and i i, I feel bad that i went away for two years but I kind of had to. We we beat the thing and couldn't get it sold in any way and had lots of people try to help us, like Kenny Hotz. Mm -hmm. um, 
what is a big supporter of anything that I do in relationship to film. Yeah. Um, uh, a few other people, Brian Mulhern and Kevin Mulhern, who were going to be the writers of the Phil show. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still close friends with them and Joe Gallen, uh, the showrunner um, at Brillstein Gray. Um, he's also been a big supporter and, and we've tried to get a script off telling the story, but we get stopped at certain hurdles. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so it's, and, uh, other people have tried to get scripts off and we've stopped them. Sure. So, sure. Um, for a brief period, I know there was that movie, good guy, Phil, that was trying to get made, but is that, was that the, was that, uh, the one about him? Did anything ever come of that that you know of? Um, no, there was a Canadian producer that got the ears of the kids. And uh, um, the guy was just a, a slime ball. Mm. And he, he, mm. he, like, immediately after he made the deal and got the paper signed with them, he came to try to hire me as the executive producer. Uh-huh. And... And then he did some really sleazy things, and I was just like, no, this guy is not going to make a movie about my brother, and nor would my brother want him to do it. And if it's going to be anybody, it's going to be Brian Mulhern, who intimately wrote and understood what Phil was trying to do, and the people that he really related to, right? Mm -hmm. So... You know, and as time goes by, these things will are become more likely to happen than not. And um, as long as it gets made the right way, I guess. I my fear uh, every time I hear them talk about something like this, I'm like, oh god, it's going to be true crime exploitation. Won't be about the man. It won't be about the human being. And that's always my fear. Is yeah, I mean, so many of the interview things. Like I, I did the reels thing, right? Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, Kenny Hotz let us use his uh, place in uh, one of his apartments in Toronto to shoot it. Mm-hmm. And and those people were great, but you know, I, I asked the producer to you know end it on a on a good note. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And of course they didn't. And then when the next one came around, and I I think that was the ABC one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, "Fuck you guys! I don't want anything to do with you. You know, Fair you're enough. you're all full of shit." Yeah, and yeah. and it, that was a better one in some ways, you know. Um, but uh, in general, those kind of things, I, I just stopped doing them. And and then I, Understood. I, you know, because mostly I did those things to try to heal myself, you know, mm-hmm. and and to heal fans because I I understood after doing Canada's walk of fame and the, the two and a half years that that took to accomplish and what I learned about the fans and how they didn't get any closure because they're not family. Right. And so I, I tried to be sensitive to that and offer closure in whatever way I could. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was why I did things, you know, and, um, and a lot of the things I did were not sanctioned. Um, <laughs> so uh, I pissed off a lot of people. And, you know, like 
when Phil died, there was uh, an enclave meeting and they all agreed to not do anything. And I was like, fuck you. I'm doing, I'm celebrating my brother in whatever way I want. Yeah. And I'm not going to be dictated by any of you. Sure. Sorry. That's just how it is. And <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm the black sheep in the family. So, um, you know, and, and I'm glad I, I did that because you don't know if you're going to get hit by a truck the next day or, or, and never get to deliver any of that. And we delivered two stars in the process, you know? Yeah. So, mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, people like David Geffen and chipped in money for that one, you know, it costs $35,000 to get a Hollywood star. Holy shit. Yeah. Jeez. It's probably more now. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, um, cause I remember when we got Crosby stills and Nash theirs, it was only 15. <laughs> oh my oh, wow. God. Really? Wow. Yeah. That's friggin' nuts. Wow. Yeah. I mean, th th this is one of those things that I feel like why not end it on a high note? Why not? again as you say celebrate it let's uh, and that's that's why every time i try so hard to correct people when i bring up something about him just and again a man i never met man i never would have had a chance to meet just a hero of mine and if that's the first if the first thing they bring up is 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 the shit that nobody wants to talk about i i'm like yeah but hey look at this amazing catalog look at this amazing legacy like a ridiculous legacy of comedy that is still having ripples and i i feel like at the very least you know, the more you can concentrate on that, the more you can, if not affect the legacy, at least keep it going. What, what was life. amazing was during the Canada's Walk of Fame, and we're learning all about social media at the time, you know, mm -hmm. and how to use it. And we actually grew Phil's fan base by 10% per annum. Wow. And, and you know, Belushi didn't have that. No, None of the other cast members who passed had that, right? Yeah. And... Um, so, and that was kind of what led to the whole idea. Wow, let's try to get Phil and Oscar in the animated short category. Yeah. Right. The mm -hmm. unfortunate thing is, is that 15 minutes of animation has no value. Right. Mm -hmm. And who's going to put up the money to do it? And Brian put in pure sweat equity on the thing and did, you know, got his, he was teaching at Humber College in the animation school in Toronto and he got his students to do some of it. Um, he did his master's thesis was, um, the Groucho Marx clip. And, oh, okay, yeah. and, uh, so, you know, he, he got to do a lot of really cool stuff and, and I pretty much gave him free reign. Like I, I was just so blown away by what he was doing and how he would, take characters out of Phil's doodle file and, and put them into the stuff, you know, and it, it, it was really cool. And, it, and I believe it still has that potential on the sympathy vote, you know, on the right year to pull down uh, an Oscar, you know, so, yeah. which would be really cool. Like that, that would be, you know, I, that would be, I would be happy with life and, and content and feel like I did everything I could do for Phil, you know, Mm -hmm. Alan, I want to make sure you get to ask some questions because I had I had a, a, a I got to find something to ask this question actually. Oh no, I, um, I just want um, 
just because I don't know uh, the the whole situation when you guys were uh, uh, living together, and then after I was, did you go to any of his groundling shows when he did that? Or oh yeah, I was actually living with him. Um, oh when he oh real okay yeah when when we were both at Hartman and Goodman and Phil and I shared an office, so his drawing board was right behind my desk, and um, and we had a secret pathway into john's office and john could come hide out with us and, oh, wow. and go oh, i don't want to see these guys you know and shut the door <laughs> and uh, and we would be back there smoking weed or whatever right and uh and and then uh, i lived in uh in sherman oaks with them for a couple of years at his house and um I mean, it, I, I hardly have, you know, one of the things we noticed when we were looking through family photographs was that there is hardly a photograph of me where I'm not with him. Wow. And he was definitely my big brother. And and, and he he looked after me, you know, and, and I when he passed and I saw the the massive collection of work he left behind, you know, I, I would be like, you know, I'd have the comedy channel on and they would be running reruns of SNL. Um, mm-hmm. And a, a radio would be on in the other room and you'd hear a, him do a commercial. And, and it was just like, my God, did the guy ever sleep, you know, or did he have <laughs> himself cloned or something? Uh, well, it was it, it was weird even because, uh, uh, again, big fan, especially uh, – news radio and SNL before that, but uh, I didn't really, it wasn't until like later, I think it was like later in high school or early twenties when we went back to Pee Wee's Playhouse and like, holy crap, I grew up with Phil Hartman. I didn't even know it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Pee Wee's Playhouse doesn't get the, for some reason. And what he did there and in the, the first movie were, was a lot of pure Phil, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and he wrote half of the first movie, so right. which is brilliant. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. Is is there ever a chance? Well, here I'm going to show you my favorite piece of art of his that I oh know. Oh my god! Which is the Fire Sign Theater's Fighting Clowns album. If if if, if our <laughs> listeners right. don't know about this record, I mean, even if you don't know Fire Sign's humor, it's weird. It's hard to get into for some folks if you're not maybe a stoner from the '70s. But I love it. Right. I'm going to explain the cover to you Please, right now. Please, yes. <laughs> okay, so that is a colored pencil and ink. It right? is okay. And um, and I watched him do it. He drew it right behind me. Holy shit! Right. Wow. So I would stand up and I would look and I'd go, "Holy shit!" Right. <laughs> uh-huh. And and it's Reagan and Carter in the boxing ring, uh huh, uh-huh. fighting it out. <laughs> and the Russians are. And what year was this? Oh God, good question. Like this 80. stuff is this stuff is actually prophecy. Mm-hmm. It's not com- it's pro- comedy prophecy. Yeah, right? 1980. All right, 1980, okay? So, all the, and then you have the Russian bears dropping out of the helicopter, opening up the gas tanks and eating oil like it's honey. (laughs) And then you have everybody in turbans, all kinds of different people, punks, you Mm -hmm. name it, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have the soldier. Mm-hmm. What do you notice about all their faces? 
Uh, other than them all having clown paint on them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whose face is it? That is a good question. Is I mean, is it him? Because it does look a lot. Yeah, it's it him. So he brings it in, right? And we're managing the Firesign Theater at this time. <coughs> and honestly, um, honestly, now that you say it, it, it now, now if you look at the grin, I mean, come yeah, on. yeah, yeah. Holy shit! So, wow. so uh, he brings it, the drawing in, and he's shown it to John and Harlan and I, Harlan Goodman, mm -hmm. and. Uh, and Harlan like leans over and he looks at me and goes, you notice anything weird about this? <laughs> and I said, no, it's incredible. He goes, yeah, they're all Phil's face. <laughs> and Phil <laughs> goes, what's your point, Harlan? <laughs> and Harlan goes, you're a shameless self-promoter, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. Uh, yeah, that gives me a new appreciation for this this record. I've always loved it anyway. But Phil wow. liked to do drawings. That, like he did a lot of drawings of self portraits, right? And uh -huh. I have I have a piece of art that is of a screw with a face mm -hmm. through a piece of wood, and it's a a slotted screw, so it's obsolete. Uh huh. Uh huh. In the worlds of Robert Robinson uh, bits, you know, mm -hmm. and. Uh, and I called him Edgar Screwhead, uh -huh. but he was Phil. I, I wanted to animate that to the secret world of Edgar Screwhead. I called it, and uh, <laughs> and I own that, and it's probably my favorite. Yeah. Um. Then I have the whole series of uh, Yogi and the Kid, which was modeled after our oldest brother and. Um, Gretchen Lewis's brother, Herman Lewis, who was kind of just a ma spoiled Malibu beach brat, right? <laughs> um, and, uh, and the yogi was modeled after my oldest brother who does yoga. Like he's almost 80 years, he's 80 years old and he can do the splits, right? Oh, uh, uh, and can touch his chin to his toe, you know? <laughs> uh, one of those kind of things. And it was supposed to be a uh, help uh help the kid learn the hard lessons in life kind of thing right mm -hmm. and that was our work that he did that was meant to be animated and never did and brian LeBay again stepped in and tried to uh get that one off the ground and uh emmy award-winning voiceover director stevie valance um did all the voices on it and directed mm -hmm. that and, and it you know, hit the wall. <laughs> sure, as things do. Yeah. Do, do you know what uh, happened to the original piece of art, or do you think it's probably owned by the record company? By that would be uh, even Rhino, though. You know, I believe it was returned at one point, and it was in another portfolio. I'm pretty sure his son has it. Oh, okay. He's got, oh, wow. he's got all the coolest stuff. Amazing. For the most part. I, I will say because I the I'm friends with the fire sign guys and and their archivist and he's like, do you have any idea where the hell the fighting clowns art might be? Because I can't find it anywhere. That's really funny. I'm I'm very happy to know that it's somewhere because I will tell you, deal with a, I deal with a lot of like different artists and comedians when I interview people and every time I ask, oh well, where did this go? They're like, I don't know. <laughs> and that's the stuff yeah. that scares me. That's no the album shit. covers were like that, and uh, I remember he. He did a cover. Uh, was the Poco cover the Legend yep. one? Yep. And um, 
he sent the artwork to a guy at Bill Graham Presents, mm-hmm. and um, and it sat there, and the guy was supposed to return it, and he never returned it. And then he finds uh, it in this pile, and he was like, he wrote a whole note, and he re- Phil actually got it back, but that was the only one. Wow. Oh my God. I hope at some point we're going to get to see well, if it's something you want to do, but at some point it would be great to see a museum exhibit of all of his art because I know mm. that there's so much out there that it, we we interviewed uh, one of the production designers and she said she couldn't find it at the time, which I was which is too bad. But she's like, yeah, he would always just sit at, at his on his blotter at his desk on the show on news radio and would just sketch shit and just hand it to people, give it away, and uh, like the, even that kind of stuff would be precious and would, I'd love to see in a display. Yeah, somewhere. there's a few people who have told stories about that kind of mm-hmm. thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, he was a, a great napkin doodler. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the, I mean, the things he, he did in his little doodle pad and um he was so organized i mean I, uh, somewhere i have all his report cards and stuff like that from oh school my God. wow <laughs> yeah. he saved everything you know and his boy scout id and mm-hmm. things like that i don't I... even know where my diploma is anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah I am finding that we had way too much in common. I'm, I I call it hoarding, but that's because I can see what it's done to my life. You know what I'm saying? Um, I can't, you know, hide it away from myself because I don't have a big enough house to do that. But, you know, but I appreciate it. I appreciate the mind for keeping absolutely everything, regardless of its importance. Yeah. And Jason, you do got plenty of space on that floor, I see. So I that, that's so. true. There's a lot of space right there on the floor for more news radio stuff, though. That's what's going to end up happening. Oh, more news fair. radio stuff that's will fair. end up populating the room. Um, uh, did you have any more questions, Alan? I, I was actually just wondering, uh, uh, again, just with a growing up, uh, did you, like, what were the comedy heroes that kind of inspired you guys or you guys love to watch? Well, <clears throat> of course, Jackie Gleason and um you know uh uh you know don rickles all the all the oldies you know <laughs> phil loved them all um uh jonathan winters was definitely huge like my parents had all the jonathan winters records and phil would listen to them and memorize them you yeah. know and and uh um then when robin williams and people like that robin williams like really shattered Phil's world. <clears throat> like when he saw Robin Williams, he, he almost gave up comedy. Oh my God. Wow. He was like, he was like, wow, I, I'll never be that good. Right. Yeah. Like, he, like that was just blew his fricking mind. Right. So he, he, he loved all that stuff, you know, even Shelly Berman and people like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, I, I I'm in awe that Robert Williams almost stopped Phil Hartman from. I know. Thinking who he, sh- who he, yeah. <laughs> now, he literally was depressed. Like he uh-huh. he just thought uh-huh. that he couldn't sustain what he could, you know. Right. And right. really, his younger stuff when he was in the Malibu comedy was more like Robin Williams. Right? Interesting. Oh, um, yeah. And he he kind of 
became more of the the not the lead but the strong support and to other factions in comedy you know like he did in snl he, he was the glue he, yeah yeah and and until writers really were catering toward him completely he he didn't um he didn't evolve in a different way right um That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Alan, did you have any uh, more questions? I mean, those are kind of the, the, the big ones for me. Yeah, no, same. Uh, uh, first of all, Paul, I boy, oh boy, I really, really, really appreciate you talking with us yeah, today on today of all days, especially considering, again, all the crap that seems to be happening. I really appreciate you sitting us down, sitting down with us. Um, is there anything you would like to promote? Anything you think people should be aware of, Phil-related or otherwise? Well, if anybody wants to help us uh, get flat TV delivered and they got a lot of money, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, it's it it costs some dough to try to get an Oscar. You got to win a couple of film festivals, and sure. you know, but uh, we've got. Brian LeMay and Pure Sweat Equity has about $350,000 worth of animation into it. Oh, wow. And, you know, probably only would take another 700 to finish it. Sure, <laughs> sure. <clears throat> but You get you the know, right person behind that, really, you can crowdfund it. Yeah, that was one of the things we've talked about. And, and, uh, and, yeah, that very well could be the thing. I, I, I think it it takes a collective of people to kind of get that rolling, you know, and, yeah, and yeah. I just don't have the time I by myself, you know. Um, it's uh, This COVID thing uh, really kind of kicks everything in the teeth and you have to. Yeah, it really does. Um <laughs> And also, I'll just make sure I'll recommend people do listen to the album, so that you you know what to expect. But Flat TV is great; it's it's a fun listen. I uh... yeah, it's pure unedited Phil. It's a little dark, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but uh, regardless, it's pretty funny stuff. Some of it is it uh, still in print, or do they have to find older records? Or I'm not sure. If I think I think it's out of print. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Then, then do, do do your searching carefully, and uh, for those who know that I have another podcast about vinyl comedy records, my hope is that one day that gets released on vinyl because that having some Phil Hartman art on the cover of a Phil Hartman record would be just mm. just the the jewel of my collection. I will say that. Mm. Um, uh, Alan, do you want to pro- promote anything before we let? <laughs> I'll say let's just uh, everybody out there uh, support Flat TV. Let's get that going. Yeah, I agree. 100%, 100%. And go and visit one of Phil's stars. If if you if you have that if if you're if that's available to you, go visit it. Um Paul, thank you again very much for doing yeah, the show. Thank you so much. Jason, thank you for having me. Alan, great to meet you guys and uh revisit uh what we I, I can't even remember what we talked about last time <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty quick to be fair uh and you know you you expanded on a lot of stuff for us and i i really appreciate yeah. it there's just one thing left to say ladies and gentlemen that is 
catch, catch you later, you later pancakes. pancakes. That was closer. That it's was close. close. It was almost there. Dispatches from Fort Awesome, a news radio podcast, is part of the Stolen Dress Podcast Network. The show is hosted by Alan Rickert, Jason Klom, and Jen, who lives on the ether. Our theme song was composed and performed by Michael Warden. Have questions? Call and leave us a voicemail at 646-801-WNYX or email us at freakzilla at scopenet.com. Subscribe to Dispatches from Fort Awesome on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or any other podcast outlet. Give us a five-star rating and write us a review. It helps. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WNYX News Radio, or find everything in one place at WNYXNewsRadio.com. Thanks, Joe. Visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, watch videos, and imbibe freely of our multimedia content going back 15-plus years. Stolen Dress Entertainment. Hey, it's my turn. Ah! <laughs>